No, I'm ready, man. Okay. Welcome to Sadie and Shane's Super Happy Fun Time Fall Fiesta Feud Only Edition. We're going to discuss the last two episodes of... What? What? Uh, You said Fall Fiesta. It's a spring spring. All right. Three, two, one... Welcome to Sadie and Shane's Super Happy Fun Time Spring Fling Feud Only Edition. We're discussing the last two episodes of Feud because last week we were so excited about Fargo and Leftovers that we had to kind of shove this under the mat. But um, And then, yeah, last week's episode, for me... Well, and they were longer episodes, too. It's true. This last, this, Yeah, the last one was super long, but worth every penny. Um, and this morning I watched it and then I went back to watch the other one and was almost like, you know, fuck it, maybe we shouldn't even deal with it. But no, it was a good episode too. And um, directed by Helen Hunt. It was. The last one. one. I saw that. That was really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but the first one uh, from last week, that one, you know, I didn't know anything about Hush Rush Sweet Charlotte. I didn't know that movie existed, didn't know anything. Mm-hmm about it, but it was definitely like a, another dramatic production. It was. Um, I, that one, I hated the scene where, where uh, Joan finds out that Betty's a producer on the movie. That that hurt for her. It it did. You know? It, it did. I need She's to... She's like, uh, why are you sitting there giving notes or whatever? Yeah, and she finds out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I need to... I took all these notes together, so let me um, get to... All right, here it is. And uh, okay. is this the one? Oh, damn it. I shouldn't have done this. <laughs> okay, so this one is that, and that's that, and that's this. And um, where did it... I think I switched mid-page, even, because I'm dumb. Um, BD visits Marco. I thought perhaps you were using them like playing cards ah, and shuffling them. Here it is. Abandoned. That was what that episode was called. Episode number seven was called Abandoned. Gosh, I wonder why. Because cause maybe because Joan yeah, got, I mean, got uh, left in a trailer. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that was the, the big literal thing. Mm-hmm. That scene... I feel like over the whole course of the show, I, I have to say I have become more and more on... If you choose sides, I guess, on Joan's side, I feel like it, this show has been desperation that she has, you know, mm-hmm. way more than Davis. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, we can feel free to jump a little bit into the second episode, but I'd like to kind of, like, go in order. Um, and yeah. But, yeah, this also, because what I've known about, about Joan is that Mildred Pierce is literally in my top ten, one of my favorite movies of all time, and she's fantastic in it. And I love a lot of her other stuff. I've seen, like, one of her old Silence with uh, Lon Chaney is just amazing and she was just ridiculously beautiful she really was and oh so that's in this episode when she says what did it feel like to be the most beautiful woman in the world it was wonderful and it was never enough and what did it feel like to be the most talented woman in the world it was great but it was never enough you know it's just it's it's so weird when that is yep. your entire being you know you and she says it in the next episode i don't know who i am when i'm alone and that crushed my soul mm. <laughs> you know it's like when i'm not podcasting i'm just have, who um, knows who i am i really enjoyed <laughs> <laughs> i have enjoyed the whole season they've done these scenes where they'll put the two of them together actually talking about you know whatever their situation there's that time at the restaurant and then mm-hmm. there was this one where they're they're ostensibly having an argument but they're talking to each other about things that they are the only two people that will ever understand you know yeah being the most beautiful starlet or being the most talented or whatever you know mm-hmm. these are things where they can honestly talk to each other for a second you know mm-hmm. and and then victor could make it last victor bono brings it up in later on in the other episode too it's like that um you know you are probably the only person in the world you two mm-hmm. are the only people in the world who understands what this feeling is Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe you shouldn't be talking to this young gay man. Maybe you should be talking to the one woman in the whole world who understands how you feel. But he is so awesome, and what a wonderful friend he is, you know? 
and mm-hmm. he never pulls Definitely. any punches when um when she's you know like putting Joan down and he's just like well there was this scene in this thing where she went in the water and she's like well yeah she went in the water and she never got her hair wet and he's like yeah well it was important to me and I think that's great like as like mm-hmm. I feel like he's kind of saying like as a young gay man this moment meant something to me like it yeah. made it I think it made him feel like he can do anything you know mm-hmm. and I think Joan yeah and that all I know about that stuff and Mommy Dearest, which I've seen, you know, seventeen hundred times, and I'm I just feel so much more empathy for her now, and mm-hmm. just and especially. Do you I think that this show has done for Joan Crawford what uh, yes. American Crime Story did for Marsha uh, Marsha Harden Marsha oh, Harden yeah. Absol- yeah absolutely absolutely you need to you need to put a face to something. You, uh, yeah, you can't, and it's kind of like, I don't know, it's everything. It's sort of like the Woody Allen thing, you know? Like, I'm a huge fan of his work. I know you're not, beside that. It's okay. It's I'm okay. a huge fan of his work, and I've always loved him. I own, like, 40 of his movies. I fucking love him. And then that thing happened a few years ago where I'm like, I was just crushed. I was so crushed that I threw all of his movies away. I was just devastated. And then people were like, okay, hey, okay, think about this, and maybe it's not all it's cracked up to be. I'm like, okay, movies back out of the garbage. <laughs> I, I don't watch them as much as I used to, because I still have, I get kind of a tummy ache looking at them sometimes. It just... Oh. Yeah. Anyway, so back to the beginning of the episode. I love just like the, the um, cab showing up in the black and white. And every time they're showing yes. what they're filming is in black and white and then cuts back to color. And especially that scene where her scenes were in black and white and cut back to Betty and it's in color because it's not on the camera. That was a gorgeous. Helen Hunt, good director. She, yeah. She, she did a good job. Um mm-hmm. I also loved about that scene that Betty just sort of like dismissed Joan. Like, you don't want me to stay and yeah, like do the yeah. lines? That's well, what a professional well, that's what actress talking about later does. On where, and she just said, No, I don't need you, you know. Yep. Hey, can I um can I call you back? You're you're glitching a little bit and disappearing sure. sometimes. So I'm gonna I'm gonna call you right back. Okay. Okay. So my next note, my favorite thing is, um, what is she looking for in an eyelash exactly? She knows, and she is the only one who matters. So, and she's uh, the only one who does her eyebrows and her lips. Mm-hmm. And that guy oh, was like, yeah, "She's like, let me, no, 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 nope, eyebrows, all me." And she's I really masterful. If, I forget if that's something they did in the episode where with the Oscars, where she had the whole coterie of people showing up to do her makeup. Like, did they show her doing her eyebrows or they whatever? Probably did. Yeah, her eyebrows yeah. are amazing. They are <laughs> amazing. Um, oh, uh, so wait, what was this one? I think she wants. Oh yeah, do you think? Oh yeah. The, yes. Do you think the Be- yes? Do you think that Betty Davis possibly wants Joan gone because because it's the juicier role? I don't know. It kind of it kind of um, seemed like that in their conversation. I kind of got the impression that she took the opportunity to be somebody in control of this production just to irk Joan, you know, and she didn't care whether she was um had the better role or not. Huh. I kind of Yeah, I kind of felt like she was maybe trying to like like give her a bunch of shit so she might actually leave and boom, that worked, but just because she didn't because she had the juicier role in Baby Jane, and she didn't want mm-hmm. to be upstaged. And I've never seen Hush Hush Sweet Charlotte. I was listening to a podcast about the show today, and the woman on it had actually watched it. And she's like, it's really, it is kind of what Victor Bono said. It's all right. It's a fine film. But she felt like it would have been better with Joan. And I don't I don't oh. know. And it would be interesting to find, the, I mean, because they shot a lot of the movie. It'd be interesting to see the scenes that Joan shot. Like, I wonder if those yeah. are available on, you know, the DVD or something. I might have to try and hunt that down. On the Criterion Collection. Exactly. Um, I love Joan's trailer, and I want it. It's amazing. <laughs> it's so... Better than her trailer in the second episode. <laughs> oh, my God. That was so sad. 
Oh my God. Um, oh, the uh, great line, Victor Bono and, and Betty Davis are hanging out and she's like, well, where's Joan? She's out hunting groundhogs for her wigs and she can only do it at night. <laughs> Jeez, Betty. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> she was very, uh, Betty was always very witty and sharp, you know? She was. Like that, uh, that line that we will get to in the uh, last episode. Okay. Yes. Um, let's see. Okay, so then I wrote Bob and BD. Oh, that uh, Jack Warner when she when Betty's all drunk. Oh, and also, did I tell you I looked it up and there is no actual like proof that there was anything between Aldrich and Betty Davis. Really? No. Yeah. I, yeah, I looked it up last mm. week before the episode, and um, yeah, there's it's kind of that's I think they're kind of playing fast and loose with that. That. Maybe that never happened, but anyway, the yeah. Jack the Jack Warner like watched her audition, and then she hid around the corner and listened. And he said, "Who'd want to fuck that?" It's like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> and then, who did she wish that she looked like? Joan Crawford. Oh, yeah. Poor her. And yeah, Betty Davis is she's she was a strange looking lady, but talented AF. <laughs> you know, <laughs> sure. she could have. You know, if, if she wanted to look like Joan Crawford, she could have. You know, you just have to take out six molars. Oh my god. Don't oh god. <laughs> that I didn't know uh, that that was something that they did in Hollywood back then though. Oh, that was insane. Oh my god. I told Chris about that cuz he hasn't watched the episode yet and I was like I just have to tell you this thing though because oh my god. <laughs> that was upsetting. I mean you hear about all the crazy beauty regimens but that's one I had not heard of. Before. I that's insane. And she did have fucking cheekbones for days. She she really did. She was amazing. Um, uh, so, so when BD, uh, my notes are always like BD and JC, and yeah, that she dismisses Joan, and that's when Joan finally goes and starts drinking. And she tried. She speaking, tried to be good. Oh, what? Speaking of BD, I mean, was her name Betty Davis Davis? Oh, the the daughter. Yeah. You know, I am not sure. I kind of meant to look that up. <laughs> or was it B E E D E E? I don't I don't know. And her name Everything I've seen has been abbreviated the letters B D. And her last name isn't Davis though cuz her last name is her dad's name. Well, yeah, but so there's that. that's still. You know, did she name her daughter B D for Betty Davis? I would assume just B D Jr. Okay. Um so yeah, let's talk about let's talk about uh B D and her and her marriage. Just as as a chunk. I found out. I don't know if they said this on the show, but I found out from reading about it that they became super Christian um, evangelists. They said it at the end of the episode of the. Oh, last, that's right. At the yeah. last episode, yeah, that's crazy. Just, and yeah, but I love that they they stayed together. You know, she was sixteen and he was twenty nine. They said, and um, yeah. yeah, and uh, yeah, I would be like, no, no, Milo, you can't marry a twenty nine year old woman. Nope, <laughs> not signing the papers. Nope, not happening. <laughs> not happening. But um, I loved the scene uh, where they're talking about the preparation for the wedding, and then she's just like, "And you know, this is the best part." And then you have to do this, and you have to fix him his scotch, and you have to listen to his day, and all this stuff. And it's like, "Yeah, you just described my life with you." <laughs> and she's like, "Yep, yeah. well, that I prepared you to be a wife." Yep, she totally did. But I think that uh, I think the BD had a happy marriage. And she did just want to. Did just want to get. Didn't want her mom around. Yeah, I mean, uh, would you? (laughs) Who would you? Oh, here's a good one. Who would you rather have (laughs) as your mom? Joan or Betty? Oh, as a mom? Uh huh. Oh, definitely, definitely Betty Davis. Absolutely, the one that you know actually curses and wears pants and doesn't cover things with plastic. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Yeah, the whole plastic thing. That's really strange. It's I think it's because yep. she was just raised in like a shithole and she probably just kind of grew up and was just like I don't want anything to be a shithole anymore. And the line she says about like I was shaking my fringe and she... and spilled bourbon on myself and I still have that stain on me. Oh. Mm-hmm. Oh. She was concerned with stains. I think she might have been a um a uh, OCD. Yeah, and a germaphobe, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And, that might have been the better term, yeah. And de- yeah, de- I mean, you haven't seen Mommy Dearest, but the the scene where um she like asks the daughter like, "Did you clean this bathroom?" And the bathroom is blue tiles. 
unbelievably hard to keep blue tiles clean and she's like does this look clean to you does this look clean to you and the little girl's like yes it does yeah but then they just they get down on their hands and knees and start scrubbing and she's throwing comet everywhere and it's like clean this mess up and the poor little girl looks at her and says how because <laughs> the mom just yeah. came in and fucking destroyed everything and i mean i don't think that you can make some of that stuff up and it's probably got to be somewhere in between, you know, what Joan thought yeah. she was doing and what Christina thought happened. I and... don't think that Joan was ever, you know, vindictive towards her daughter or anything. I think it was always in the mold of I'm doing this for your good or something. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I was raised in, in squalor and you're being raised in a mansion. And the least you can do hey, is be perfect. Her, uh, <laughs> yeah. And, oh. <laughs> Uh, well, seriously. Ugh. But anyway, so then she drinks she, the stuff that she had hidden finally, and then she wakes up hours later with her mascara everywhere, and poor Mamacita's just sitting there sleeping. And they left her there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Dude. but that's just like that's how loyal Mamacita was to her, you know? Like uh-huh. we're gonna hang out in this trailer all night, I guess. Uh huh. Yep. The 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 lady is sleeping. Miss Joan is sleeping. I just, mm-hmm. And I, like, later on when she comes back to, like, Mamacita should have been like, you know what? My fucking name is not Mamacita. <laughs> Can we <laughs> stop with that? God. It's just, but oh. How about how in this episode, you know, she leaves because she tells her, you throw anything at me one more time and I'm out. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And I love it. I love that she sticks to her guns. That was she... one of the saddest scenes in the, sh- in the show. Oh, God. The last two episodes, especially the last one. Oh, God damn. Do <laughs> um, you want to move on to the last one and talk about um, it? Not quite yet. There's a couple things I want to... Okay. Um, um, I love the line, the answer to feeling unattractive isn't to make yourself uglier. Um, and, and Betty was like, I am a character actress. And I, it's true. Like, she's not the glamour queen. It is weird. Yeah. Like, the thing that Betty really is, like, I am about the acting, I'm about the craft, and I will do whatever it takes. And... You know, I love um, I love when you see a movie where someone just goes all gung ho on being horrible, being ugly, and has no ego whatsoever. And even, Joan never did that. Joan always looked amazing, even in yeah. Baby Jane. You know, always looked amazing. She never would let herself look gross. So, give me an example. What can you think of? One who who? Oh, fucking Charlize Theron in Monster. Have you seen that? I was actually going to say, yeah, but I was actually going to say these two ladies, uh, Jessica Lange and Susan Sarandon, you know, both Mm. have have been, quote unquote, ugly in this show, especially, again, getting to the final episode. But, you know, (laughs) there's some points where Jessica Lange has to really humble herself, I feel like, probably Uh as a person to do these scenes effectively. Uh So, yeah, that's the example I'd say just because that's what we're watching. Yeah, yeah. And Shane, thank you for watching this with me. I just wanted to say that at the sh- top hey, of the show and I forgot. Thanks for dragging me into it. Yeah, because at it. first, um, listeners, Shane was kind of like, I don't know anything about these people. I don't know whether I'm going to do this. I'm like, dude, it's a Ryan Murphy show. Please do it with me. And I'm glad that you <laughs> liked it and I'm glad you enjoyed it and you learned some shit. I did. And, oh, the and and funny, yeah, the more you mm-hmm. know, the funny thing is Shane's been texting me um, about MST, and there was one episode where someone mentioned Hedda <laughs> Harper, and he's like, wouldn't have known mm-hmm. what that meant, and another one where they mentioned Victor Bono. And so there you go, the more you know. Mm-hmm. Bing! <laughs> yeah. um, let's see, talented, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> There's cut- always going to be like 20% of jokes on that show that I don't get, so I'm glad that I got a few extra ones. Yeah, that's always nice. Um, so, th- so yeah, so we need to talk, we'll just kind of wrap this whole thing around, because this is kind of why I didn't like the episode. I felt like they um, spent too much time on Joan faking sick or whatever it was she was doing and fucking the movie over. Do you think she was faking? Oh, yeah, she was faking sick. She was, yeah, she was, oh, absolutely. <laughs> I think that if she had been, if you had pressed her, I mean, like, psychosomatically, she might have said, oh, I do feel faint, you know. Uh-huh. But, no, there was nothing wrong with her, no. Okay. Um, I liked that they played You Don't Own Me um, because they used that in um, Asylum, the AHS Asylum. Mm-hmm. And that was one of my favorite scenes ever with Lily Rabe in, in the dress and dancing around to You Don't Own Me. 
And then also the opening scene with uh, uh, Harley Quinn in Suicide Squad. Yeah. Yeah, I like that scene. I like that scene. It's good. Um, so, oh. No matter what show or movie it's in, then you like that scene. I, yes. Um, three F-bombs in one sentence. I suggest that you uh, put down that fucking script and read your fucking contract and show up fucking tomorrow or whatever it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. That was. We're just like we're gonna waste all of our f bombs in one episode. Um, BD gives her a rose yeah. with the thorns removed. I thought that was kind of sweet. Yeah, that was. I kept waiting for you know. Honestly, I expected there to be thorns on it, but I kept waiting <laughs> for the other shoe to drop in that scene. And it didn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the other shoe to drop. That's one of the first things I ever wrote into um, behind the cutting edge about. That phrase. Do you know what it means? Oh, okay, cool. Do Do you know what the phrase means or where it comes from? Oh, uh, is that? I mean, I know what we use it for, but as far as where it comes from, if I had to guess, just off the top of my head, I said, does it have anything to do with when somebody's been hanged? No. And their shoes drop. I don't know. No. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. So it's funny. So I was listening to the uh, Breaking Bad podcast on Behind the Cutting Edge. Listeners, that's where we both come from. Um, and uh, it, someone mentioned it and they were like, I don't know what that means. And so the first time I wrote into the show, here's what that means. It's when you live in an apartment and like you're sleeping and someone comes home and above you and they take off their shoe and they drop it and like wakes you up and you wait for the other shoe to drop. To go back to bed. That is great. I never, I never knew the uh, the um, Entomology. origin of that. <laughs> yes. Entomology. Yes. So that, and then they or wait, were... etymology. etymology. One of those is insect, and one of those is <laughs> Yeah, the, it's the insect thing. That's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then, uh, I think that um, let's see, uh, panic attack. I think w- when her lines are cut, I think she might have had a legit panic attack. Do you think that's all totally fake? Everything she did. I don't know. It's yeah. just when she has these attacks, they seem to be really convenient times. And I don't know. It's true that she has no idea who she is when she's alone, and she knows exactly who she is when she's in front of people, and she's always mm-hmm. on. She's always on. She said it later, so boom. And then BD got married anyway. Mm-hmm. And then it's that been 29 had to days. be a, a terrible time for Betty to have that conversation, and you've been planning this wedding for your daughter, blah, blah, and then to be told. You know, we already got married. This whole thing's just for you, you know? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Ugh, I wanted to jump to something, but I won't jump to it until later. Um, and then she has to have an independent medical exam, which is funny because this is a thing that happens in my job all the time when people make a claim for benefits from their mm-hmm. their car, car insurance. And then, especially if your last name is Russian, your insurance will be like, yeah. you need to go see a doctor so we can make sure that your uh, <laughs> your stuff is legit. So that and... That's because people in Russia are uh, – it's a pretty common pastime for people to jump in front of cars to get insurance money. It's true. Yep. Oh, okay. That's so, why all those dash cam videos on the internet are from Russia because they all have dash cams <laughs> on their cars to capture stuff like that for insurance purposes. It's true, and I am always like super careful when I'm in like the Winco parking lot that I look behind me, and if anyone is anywhere near me, I will not back up. No backing up until you are far from my car. So that um, I love. Okay, one more thing, mm-hmm. and I loved because that because um, you're at fault no matter what. You mm-hmm, reverse. Mm-hmm. I love that um, Joan walks her wheelchair to the door and then sits in her wheelchair to answer the door. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah. you've been served. And then the newsreel of her in the hospital. It's like she's just playing it up for the cameras. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah. And then my last note was: No it one will take the, the- rule. The terror that I saw on her face when she realized that the studio, she had tried to call their bluff and they had said, okay, we're going to actually go to court or whatever, you know. Yep. The look on her face when she read that, she never expected them to, she thought they would cave. Uh Uh-huh. And I love that the guy who comes to the door too, he's like, you know, I can't believe they make me ask this or whatever. And yeah. (laughs) So yeah, he just should have said you've been served, but yeah. You've seen Pineapple Express, right? I have. I love that movie so much. <laughs> I love if how... being a process server was like that, I would take a job as a process server. I love how um, Franco calls him like a protest servant or something. <laughs> no, 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 that's not what I am. But, yeah. 
I could watch that movie right now, except that I'm watching Saul in about 20 minutes with Jeff. Yay! I haven't. I haven't, because I was watching this movie, this show this morning. Okay. And crying. Well, there's more hours in the day to watch TV, Sadie. Come on. I know. There's the whole job thing. (laughs) That's what ruins everything, is the whole job thing. I did get up early, and I watched this one, then I watched the last one, then I had to go to work. Mm. Anyway. Work sucks. All right. Moving on to the finale, where... N- ah. No one cried. I didn't cry, right? You no, didn't cry. no, definitely not here. There was like a lot of rain on my face in my bedroom, though. And I, I had something in my eye, <laughs> and um, and then I was kind of, I was itching my eye, and I don't know what was happening later when, like, I was like kind of heaving and stuff. I don't know what that was because it <laughs> certainly wasn't Maybe you had hysterical some bad crying. Oh my god. <sighs> yeah, this was I, I said to you uh before, uh this was definitely a Ryan Murphy season finale as far as we're gonna we're gonna make you cry first off, yeah, but we're also gonna have all this catharsis for these characters, even if we have to do it in a way that doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, like in real life, I don't think Betty ever called Joan and hung up before she said anything. Oh. And obviously that dinner party scene didn't happen in real life. So he had to find ways yeah. to make an ending, I guess. I could talk about the dinner party scene for like several hours. So we shouldn't do that. Oh, it was amazing. Um, but I also wanted to say what was funny when you texted me a classic like Ryan Murphy finale. Because every single episode or season of American Horror Story, everyone dies. <laughs> so... It was kind of classic in that yeah. way too. <laughs> well, not everyone died on this one, but it was eventually. Uh, oh, oh, Olivia uh, de Havilland. Died. Okay. Olivia de Havilland is a hundred fucking alive? years old. Oh, She's a hundred right. yeah. fucking years old. I had heard a yeah, hundred and one the other day. She'll be a hundred and one on July sixteenth. Yep. Go fucking her. Oh my god. Wow. And so. Um, we talked about this before we started recording. See, so now all I'm thinking is if I ever get a Deadpool up again, I know who to put on it. If you get a what? A Deadpool. Oh. I did a Deadpool <laughs> with some friends last year. Hilarious. Only one person that we chose died, though, so uh, nobody got any points. Aw. So I love the, um, anyway. the beginning. Uh, Pauline. Pauline is on the couch of what turns out to be yes, that was the nice. uh, the Oscars of 1978, which that was cool. Because she made a name for herself making documentaries, which is awesome. And that, I love documentaries. Yeah, and that she did it kind of in a weird way that she married some guy, went off to like just kind of make a settle for herself, but then was like, hey, there's a documentary. I want to work on this. Amazing. Go, girl. Pauline is so fucking awesome. So if you are an awesome working woman like Pauline... All you need to do is find the right man, is what they're saying, right? Exactly. Okay. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what Make they're sure saying. Make sure I'm taking the right lesson from this yes. show. Yes. So I did try to um, uh, oh, find Oh, the- Pauline gets to – sorry. I was just going to say Pauline gets to say the main message of this whole show, which is call your grandmother. I <laughs> loved that. I was wondering whether that might have gotten to you, actually. It did, you know. <laughs> yep. And I don't have any grandmothers living, um, but yeah. yeah, sad. I did yep. get to see mine on uh, her 80th birthday, though, and so I went to New York in April of 2001, so mm-hmm. like, you know, a few months before everything happened, yeah. before 9-11 happened, and so I got to go there. Um, I was confused by the timeline, so it was 1978, so it was 1969 that um, that, that Joan went and made Trog. <laughs> Yeah, um, and I looked that up, and that was her last movie, and uh-huh. it was a pretty much a failure. I mean, I know they had people that were waiting in line for her that knew it, but it was generally a failure, I think. Uh-huh. I want to see it. I have, I've not, <laughs> I've not seen Chuck. I've seen Straight Jacket. Love mm-hmm. Straight Jacket. That was amazing. Well, um, Trog looks like it should be on Mystery Science Theater, so that oh, would be great right. if they covered oh, that one that season. Would you be know? cool. Oh, um, Pauline's great line, too, that, you know, she saw her in the airport and she was drunk and in a wheelchair with broken ankles. They were really like, a, uh, why did that yeah. happen? But she seemed, she said she seemed very much tossed away. And that was, yeah. oh, my God. So I really do. That's the whole theme of this is that, you know, these women uh, were tossed aside by the careers they had built, you know? Mm-hmm. 
And what I love, too, like, ironically, is we have Susan Sarandon and Jessica Lange, who are, Mm -hmm. um, you know, 60-something and 70-something now, who are having major roles in a lovely, fantastic fucking show and getting to... That's one thing I think that Ryan Murphy has always done, whether it's Jessica Lange or uh, Francis Conroy or whoever. You know, he always puts these women to work. Yeah. Totally. Um, I really liked, uh, I liked her place, actually. I liked Joan Crawford's apartment. Oh, the apartment? Yeah. And I think I, I have a bigger kitchen than her. But... <laughs> and it was a good montage. It was a, it was a Kelly, was. Kelly Dixon-worthy montage. Good. Yes, it was a good montage. <laughs> oh, I felt so bad. You can't, don't, put an oven mitt on. You're going to burn your hand. And and then, lo, she did. Mm-hmm. It's like those fucking um, of glove things. Like, <laughs> the silicon thing. Like, what did people do before? They just reached their hand in naked. Yep, it's yep. Yeah, that's exactly where human civilization went to. It went. <laughs> that's where from, it went wrong. You no, know, the beginning of from the beginning of humanity all the way until the year two thousand and five, we just reached into the oven with our bare hands and grabbed things, and, and we then hope, they invented the oven glove. We hoped for the best. We just hoped for the yeah. best. You know, yep. <laughs> there's got to be a better way. um so i think the a weird thing that happened to joan was she stopped being such a crazy controlling germaphobe weirdo and i think it started with the puppy like as soon as the puppy came i'm like wait puppies are filthy that thing's Mm -hmm. gonna that's gonna it's gonna pee on your floor joan it's gonna Mm -hmm. pee it's gonna get hair everywhere and i think that the puppy sort of the signaled a change in all of her attitude about everything. Well, I think it was at the point where she wasn't going out anymore. She wasn't taking new jobs anymore. Uh, she wasn't going out at the apartment. So she didn't have to be pristine and beautiful. So she was more free to be more casual with the dog and uh, with the kids. Uh-huh. And I love that, yeah, she's serving everything on paper plates because she doesn't want to make a mess for Mamacita. It's your mm-hmm. maid. It's it's her job. And, she tells the kids it's fine to slide around on her floor. You know, I don't uh-huh. think that uh, Christina would have uh, faint. She probably would have fainted if she saw her mom say that. You know, Christina. Oh yeah, the older one. Yes, yeah. exactly. I know, right? Oh my god. So, okay, you don't you don't know this because I don't know. Yeah, I'm confused by this whole thing. So, at the end of Mommy Dearest. The will gets read, and she says to Christopher and Christina, I leave nothing for reasons that are well known to them. And then Christopher says, I guess she got the last word. And then Christina says, does she? Which implies that then she writes the book after Mm -hmm. she dies. But in this, she wrote the book already. Well, I think that might have been added to the movie for dramatic effect, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so it, I think it, in real life she probably wrote it before, you know, yeah. at the point that the show has it. Yeah. Do you think that um, that Joan probably never did actually read any of it? I hope she didn't. I hope she didn't too. I hope but she didn't. But she too. couldn't. I don't know if she's ever reading. I don't know if she still reads the the entertainment trades or the newspapers, or whatever. But she would have had to have seen the reaction to it. Uh huh. Uh huh. And she probably would have known what people were saying about her. Uh huh. So so then, Mama. Oh, C- what did you think about her writing that lifestyle book? <laughs> that that lifestyle book reminds me of I'm not sure if I showed you when you were here but I have that book called Attaining Womanhood it was no. written, written by a man in the 30s and he wrote one called Attaining Manhood also but then uh. this this psychiatrist in the 30s wrote one called Attaining Womanhood and it's just like you know things that young women should know like if a if a girl if a girlfriend of yours seems to like really like you too much you should totally not hang out with her because she's probably a lesbian and she probably wants to fuck you and you shouldn't do that and it's weird it, it reminds me of that <laughs> Sadie I I don't know about you but I always sit on a hard chair because a soft chair can cause things to spread Dude your butt is fine too I can tell that you sit on hard chairs I can tell <laughs> I I've been like, mm, Shane sits on some hard that chairs. Was the, uh, that was the one of, you know, all the things that she's put in the book. That was the one that I remembered the most. I love <laughs> that the guy, the guy was saying we can like brand you, and I, I was thinking of the like Martha Stewart brand or the uh, mm-hmm. whoever the Charlie's Angels lady is. She has one too. Yeah. But um, that he actually said like plastic furniture covers. <laughs> Joan Joan Crawford brand 
plastic furniture covers. And did he, I, he must have meant that as a joke. And I don't think it landed yes, with Joan. I think he, <laughs> yeah, I think he totally meant that as a joke. But she was already seeing, I don't know, fame or dollar signs or whatever. Yep. That was hilarious. But then Mama Cita shows did up. Did she ever do uh, a brand or was it just the book? I, I don't think the brand thing Were ever there happened. various Joan Crawford products on I the market? I don't think so. Yeah, oh, okay. not that I've ever heard of. And they said that the book didn't wasn't doing very well either. I could so. imagine Joan Crawford like cosmetics and stuff, you know? Totally. Joan Crawford, Joan Crawford um eyebrow implants, Joan Crawford oh, you know eyelashes. What? Today, if this were today, she'd be selling her cosmetics, but she would be teaming up with Hedda to sell hats as well. Flower hats. <laughs> oh, and they I would was, have an Etsy store. I was surprised by the end of the episode that Hedda was 80 when she died and hey your picture just changed to the dinosaur oh well maybe that means a good thing for the connection i don't know i guess um i was surprised that hedda was 80 when she died in 1966 oh wow she seemed like a contemporary of theirs well i mean the actress i mean was not a young woman that was playing her um judy davis is younger than younger than um what's her name than jessica lang Oh, okay. I don't know. I don't I know think. anything about Judy Davis. I know you don't. Um, oh man, she is she is my fucking jam. <laughs> you've I not keep, seen. Every you've time not somebody seen, says Judy Davis, I keep thinking of uh, Judy Garland. You've not um, seen Naked Lunch, right? Have you not seen Naked Lunch? No, I have not. Oh, seen Oh man, Naked Lunch. that movie is fucking crazy and awesome and fucking awesome. <laughs> anyway, she's in. That. Okay, she plays um uh what's his name? You know the writer. Never mind. <laughs> okay, so brought up Hedda Hopper being yes. 80 years old. Let's talk about that dinner party scene. Okay. How I don't know about you, but from the beginning when Joan like starts getting out of bed, I was like, ah, oh, this is – she's – I thought she was dead, honestly. Oh, uh, I thought she was know, dead too. Was, yeah. I totally thought that was her like going to heaven or uh-huh. something. Um, I thought it was going to be American Horror Story Freak Show where she goes to heaven oh. and it's all the people that she – worked with you know yeah yeah kind of <laughs> like that yes exactly uh, yeah as soon as she was hearing was the laughter amazing. and oh. go ahead i love the transition when she goes to sit with them at the table and all <sighs> of a sudden she's old I mean, young joan you know uh-huh. in that beautiful and dress her gown and and, yeah oh it was fantastic and how they how they all shared how the world fucking tore at them and you know, mm-hmm. and Hedda is like, I wanted to be an actress. That didn't fucking work, so I had to do something. And she this found is the sort her, of, her it's sort of dialogue and conversation that all of us watching this for eight episodes just wish would happen, you know. And so, even mm-hmm. if you have to put it in this kind of dream sequence, do it. Yeah, and that um, the Jack Warner was like, yeah, I'm like a young Jewish boy. They're like, fucking go back and do whatever it is. Go run a store. Go garment district. That's what he said. Go back to the garment yeah. district. And these people. All of them, all four of them in this scene did something that was unexpected for them. You know, Joan came yeah. from nothing, came from being, came from being like, you know, raped by her stepfather at 13 years old to making something out of herself that was amazing and beautiful. And today we're talking about it. In 2017, you and I are talking about this woman who mm-hmm. made something of herself. And Betty, I loved that Betty showed up. It kind of confused me at first because I'm like, these guys are all dead. What's she doing there? But I love that she was there too. And that, and when they had that conversation, it's like, can we just, ah. And yeah, it's the last like line. Things. It's the last line from um, from Baby Jane. You mean we could have been friends all along. And that's the name of the yeah. episode. And why didn't, oh my God. They. Um, one thing I liked about that scene was I think it was Hedda that brought it up, said, you know, they were on the business side of things, but because, you know, Betty and, and Joan were in front of the camera, said, y'all are going to be forever, you know? Mm-hmm. And like you were saying a minute ago, we we're talking about them in 2017. Y'all are going to be forever, and you're always going to be young, and you're always going to be, you know, at your yeah. best. And yeah. everybody's going to remember that. Yeah. I can go and watch. I can go and watch a Joan Crawford movie from 1928 and witness her being just ridiculously beautiful and amazing in a silent movie. I can't remember what this fucking movie is called, but it's a movie that <laughs> takes place in a circus and um, uh, Lon Chaney Jr. is the strong man 
and there's some kind of like I don't love, know if there's a circus and Lon Chaney Jr.'s there. I'm thinking there's some sort of evil vampire going around. Nope, no, no there's vampires. An evil no. circus. No, it's no, it's not evil. It's just it's a okay, it's a, but it's, it's a, a circus a, with a vampire. It's got to be evil. It's there's no vampires. There's no mm. there's no vampires. I promise you. It's I just a, a strange love triangle. But and it's yeah. I think I feel like it has sort of a like a Gatsby thing where someone murders someone and someone covers up for someone else. I'm not really sure. But yeah, Milo but was asking him so about they get stuck his blood. Milo was asking about Gatsby the other day, and I think it's time for Milo to watch Gatsby. Oh, maybe he'll like it more than I did. Do you not like any of them? I don't know. I've only seen the new one. Oh, okay. Yeah. Trent and I did a podcast in which we discussed the book and both versions of the movie because he and I love everything about Gatsby. <laughs> it was amazing. Um, so then my next note is uh, the dentist in the buckle, which we talked about earlier. Oh, my God. That's <laughs> insane. And she's got infections yeah. and she needs surgery. And she wasn't going to have any dentist telling her, you know, what did she was. Look, this is the way we did it. This is the way it is. I am uh-huh. not. Well, oh, what was it she said? I'm not. Uh, I'll, oh, tell I'll you. stop caring about my appearance when they dip me in formaldehyde. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> and then the Martha Ray jab. Do you know about that? No. Okay. So Martha Ray in the 70s did um, uh, ads for Polydent. It was like a, mm-hmm. a sticky stuff to put your dentures in. And that's why mm-hmm. she said, like, I'm not going to end up like Martha Ray. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. Which is, yeah. True, I guess, but um, mm-hmm. so then we get into uh, the whole uh, what was it trog thing, <laughs> and mm-hmm. I love that he's like, "You'd play an anthropologist." She's like, "Oh my god, I always wanted to play Marie Curie." Yeah, no, this isn't that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is that, that. No, it's not that. And I forgot to look it up. Who's the agent? Because he looked familiar. He sort of looked like the guy from um, Hotel, but I don't think it was him. Oh, ah, uh, I don't know the designer guy. Yeah. So, um, oh, so then they go to London, jog, VW van, filming montage with This is the End by the Doors, and heartbreaking. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I had, I don't think I had heard that song before. You've not heard, what? This is the End by the Doors? Huh. Huh. That's interesting. Yeah, pretty sure I hadn't heard it wow. before. And so that was, um, yeah. Hmm. That that song is, uh, yeah, um, crazy. And have you not it's seen appropriate? Apo- you've not seen Apocalypse Now. Uh, no, just bits and pieces. Oh. Yeah, the opening scene of Apocalypse Now with Martin Sheen. It, that's that song plays, and it's that's to me. My brain goes oh, to okay. the I opening the scene. Light of, of that. the Valkyries. <laughs> I love the smell of napalm in the morning. And Harrison Ford. Oh, sigh. Harrison Ford is so fucking cute in that movie. Anyway. Um, so, oh, over the montage, the book dictation, <laughs> which is really, really funny, too. It's like, always do this and always do this. And, and essentially, don't get raped by men. Yeah. <laughs> and if you do, it's probably your fault. Yeah. Um, that, and then she puts on Trog's mask, oh, and that was yeah. so sad. Yeah, of course. Um, the book signing. Uh, I uh, thought in that scene, sorry, but the scene no. where she was wandering around the, the stage late at night, and then she sits there with Trog's mask and puts it on, I thought for a second that they were going to find her like that in the morning. Oh, and I thought, God. Oh, that's going to be terrible. She's going to be so embarrassed. Oh, God, that's awful. Um, yeah. I need to take a brief break. All right. Um, so, actually, yeah, she. we talked about her stopping acting, but that comes after this. Uh, book signing. Oh, yeah. And then, uh, uh, yeah, is that really how I look? And I wrote down, who's Roz? It's Rosalind Russell, and that was an actual okay. thing. They were at some kind of charity event, and Rosalind Russell really did have leukemia or whatever and was very puffy, but that was a bad picture of Joan. Yeah, it was just grainy black and white photography anyway, though. Yeah, I know, but her mouth was kind of open weird, and, like, she was right. They could have found a fucking better picture. Yeah, probably. Maybe uh-huh. not from that night, though. Yeah, maybe. Or, you know, or at least ask her to pose. She's Joan Crawford. She's Joan Crawford. <laughs> yeah. Um, So then she's done. Oh, I just thought of something else. 
Oh, go. What? No, what? Well, you're going through it chronologically. We'll get there. But you just reminded me of something I want to talk about later. Okay. Um, Then we get uh, the secretary lady. What's her name? Uh, Francine? Is that what it is? <laughs> is it's a secretary lady. You mean the one that's a secretary to the director, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Martha from the Americans. Yeah, yes, I think it's yeah. Francine. Okay. Um, and then she talks about that Conriki thing. In Japan, you're 60 and you put on a big red hat and you celebrate your second childhood, and it's not the I end. thought for a second she was going to say Pauline, that there was some tradition Pauline. where you turn 60 and die. Pauline. Oh, Pauline, yes. You had the you know, three, three things. Yeah. <laughs> and then the Is Your Grandmother Still Alive thing. Mm-hmm. Right after that. And then Victor Bono talking about Charlotte was okay. Oh, and then, yeah, Betty Davis does eight pilots. None of them get picked up. Mm. Yeah. Snap. Did you see that video I sent you from uh, her on The Tonight Show? I did not have a chance to watch that. You sent it to me at work. Uh, and- it's like a minute and a half, and it's her uh, on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson talking about uh, how much she doesn't like uh, – uh, what's her name? Uh, oh, Faye Dunaway. Yes, thank you. How much she doesn't like Faye Dunaway. And it's Betty Davis at whatever age she was in the 70s or 80s, mm-hmm. you know, looking a lot frailer than on this show. Yeah. But on that, you know, doing this bit where she talks to Carson about Faye Dunaway. Anyway. That's hilarious. And then when she told Victor Bono that that Faye Dunaway – was it Victor Bono she told? Mm-hmm. That Faye Dunaway wanted to play Joan Crawford? And yeah. lo, she did. <laughs> yeah, she got to. Yep. I've heard other people say, like, why didn't they get Faye Dunaway for this role? Like, because, because, no, because Jessica Lange. <laughs> Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> because Jessica Lange's not going around fucking up the best Oscar nom- or announcement. Jeez. She, that wasn't Faye's fault. Oh, uh, kinda. No, that was uh, the accountants. They gave the wrong envelope. But it said best actress. It said best actress so and so, and the and La La Land, and she was just like fuck it, and she just read La La Land, even though it didn't say best picture. No, she read La La Land because all right, he looked at it and he was reading it. He had the wrong envelope, and he should have noticed that it said best actress or whatever, maybe. Uh-huh. But he he read it and then he gave it to her for confirmation. Like this is weird, you know, something's going on here, and she just read what was on there because you know. That's what was put in front of her, I think. Oh, okay. But, yeah, anyway, it's PricewaterhouseCoopers is ultimately responsible for giving out the wrong envelope. Yeah, yeah, Mona. Sorry, my friend Mona <laughs> My friend Mona just got hired with them. <laughs> it's probably Yeah, all, we talked about this last week. It's I think. all Mona's fault. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, so was this just artistic license that, that Betty called her and didn't say anything? Um, yeah, I think so. Like I was saying earlier, it's a way to have a, a coda on it, on their relationship, without saying something happened that didn't. In other words, you know, Brian Murphy can't prove that these two women ever apologized or anything, but he can make it look like maybe they thought about it. Mm-hmm. So, um, we kind of skipped over that weird movie that she made with Faye Dunaway, but eh, I don't really have much to say about that. Um, but, oh, I love that yeah. she said it almost makes me miss Crawford. <laughs> and Victor, yeah. Victor Bono was like, "Oh my God! Like, oh my, you said something <laughs> not anti her." What must um, have happened for you to say something nice about Joan Crawford? I know, yeah. right? <laughs> um, but so wait, where was I going with that? I had something to say about that. Uh, nothing. <laughs> um, let's see, Kathy. Oh, then Kathy comes over. We talked about that. Um. Oh, yeah, and then she became a Christian scientist. Oh, yeah, so, yeah, Joan became a Christian scientist and decided not to get her cancer treated. Yeah, that felt like that was one line, you know, like, I, uh-huh. I, when, when did that happen? How did that happen? You know, they didn't yeah. really cover that. They didn't, it's just, it's kind of too much, and it was already a long episode. Just, just, just believe it. <laughs> if you had to pick, and if you didn't know history, and uh-huh. you had to pick just based off of what we'd seen on this show... Between Joan and Betty, who would you have thought would get cancer? Uh, both of them at the exact same time, and, and they would have died at the exact same oh. moment holding hands. Joan would have gotten, if if I was writing this show, Joan would have gotten cirrhosis or something, and Betty would have gotten cancer. Because Betty had a cigarette in her hand, like, 
And, and the minute she woke up to the minute she went to bed every day. And did you see at the end it said that she continued to smoke almost 100 mm. cigarettes a day? A hundred a day. A hundred a day, which means that That's you impossible. have to... You have to always... Oh, I thought I thought this this morning. Like You've seen Glengarry Glad Ross, right? No. Oh, oh okay. Well, the, when... God, oh, dude, seriously. So Alec Baldwin gives this speech at the beginning, like, always be closing. A, B, C, yeah, always that. be closing. So I'm like, always be smoking. That's that's that's, that's bet, the only way bet, to do a hundred a day. ABS always be smoking, but they also in this and in every old movie ever, you light a cigarette, take two drags, and put the whole thing out. Because yeah, they did not cost about like, approximately nine hundred dollars a pack like they do now. I smoke my say, cigarettes. There must have been like an uh, an extra amount of cigarettes in the country or something, a surplus yeah. of cigarettes. I smoke which, my cigarettes down to the end. I do not put a cigarette out early because those things cost a lot of fucking money. <laughs> yeah. Yep. We uh Chris and I went to Mexico in 2003 and we bought a bunch of like really really cheap cigarettes and then we had a party afterwards where we actually laid out a tray just full of cigarettes like cuz we were having a party, a fancy party. Cigarettes. Here you go. We should have had one like of those It was the 1950s. Yeah. Yeah, we should have had one of those cool like grenade lighters too. But we did have we had one of those uh, ashtrays on like a pedestal. Exactly, yeah. Yep. That was fun. Um. So yeah, I, I liked I liked the the younger daughters and like they in a had, casino. Yeah, yeah, like in a casino. We should. Oh, mm, I should get myself a roulette wheel or something. I like. Uh, I like that she had a totally different relationship with her younger daughters, um, who are not even mentioned at all in Mommy Dearest. They we don't even know they exist in Mommy it Dearest. It looks like uh, over the course of you know decades with her two older kids and then she was a little bit more lenient with the younger girls and mm-hmm. then her grandkids she seems almost normal with mm-hmm. almost normal almost <laughs> almost if she had lived another you know 50 or 100 years she might have gotten to be a good mom mm-hmm. maybe it's true um, so then I wrote party sounds, and so this is where we got to, where Shane and I were texting each other this morning, and I said, like, nothing, I just have something in my eye. And he's like, oh my oh, god, you're at the party scene. Like, I'm at the party mm-hmm. scene. And the, worse than, so, I was weepy and sad during the party scene. And it was a long scene. It was amazing. It was one of the most beautifully written things I've ever seen. Um, mm-hmm. And... I love, the podcast that I listened to today said, like, this whole episode just wrote itself. Everything in it was amazing, mm-hmm. and it was really what happened, and you just, you just like, this is what happened, just write it down, and put it on the screen, and it was amazing, but then when it, when it whooshed back, and, and Mama Sita was there, and no one was there, hysterical sobs. His, I was uh-huh. so glad no one was home. I was just... It's, um... A fucking disaster. <laughs> I said earlier that that scene reminded me of the end of American Horror Story uh, uh, Freak Show, you know, when mm. she shows up in Freak Heaven. But then when <laughs> that ended, when Mama Sita came back and it was back to reality, it reminded me of the end of American Horror Story Asylum, where mm. Sister June is living with Jude. Uh, Jude. what's his name? Jude, yeah, whatever. Sister Jude is living with what's his name. That was and beautiful. And she has the the long gray hair and everything, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so it's, it's funny in the end of uh, uh, Mommy Dearest too. When she dies, she has that that long gray hair, and they just have a shot, like a long shot of her laying on the bed with that long gray hair. And I thought um, uh, Jessica Lang rocked it. She she rocked the long gray hair, except for like a moment there. Mm-hmm. I, I was like, oh, Jessica Lang. It was weird because I'm such <laughs> such a giant fan of hers. For a moment there, she lost her Joan and became Jessica Lang for a second. But wow, it was okay. Oh my God! Here's the thing: they oh. loved Young and the Restless. <gasps> they had that in common. I watched according that show. To, well, I mean, according to this fantasy that she was having, I watched that show for thirty years. Did you recognize the character they were talking about? I did not because that was before my time. Well, yeah, but these characters, you know, these they, they're on the show for decades. They're, I figured you might have known the character. No, no, that one I did not. I started watching uh, it around 1980 and quit around 2005. So 35 uh, years? 
a long fucking time. That's one thing. I never watched soap operas, but that's one thing that I always liked about the idea of soap operas is that there were people on some of those shows that had started working in the 1950s or whatever and were still going. My sister still still watches it. I got her hooked on it and she still watches it and she'll text me every once in a while something that happened. I'm like, oh my God, how is that person still there? (laughs) Oh my God. Oh my God. But I loved that show until one day I got home from a camping trip and decided, you know what? I don't want to watch it anymore. I just quit cold turkey, and I started watching Nip Tuck that day. Strangely enough, <laughs> Ryan Murphy and Brian Falchuk. Mm-hmm. That's bizarre that this came up right now. Um, that's weird. I'm flipped out. Anyway, so, so yeah, so that day I decided to start watching Nip Tuck and watched five seasons of that in like three months, and that's how I began my love affair with binge-watching shows that have completed <laughs> and your your love affair with ryan murphy shows exactly exactly I, I but then except for glee because glee can suck it <laughs> it can suck it but poor chris so i was watching nip tuck have you ever seen nip tuck uh, an episode or two. Oh, it was fucking fabulous i've watched the entire five seasons all the way through twice um but chris would come home like people are either fucking or getting cut into all, yep, all the time for him. But that's not just Nip Tuck. That's every Ryan Murphy show. It's true. So, okay, question. Um, kind of jumping ahead. Um, when the person said, what about their first day? And and then it Sorry. cuts back to them sitting in their chairs. And she says, I hope at the end of this I've made a new friend. And she says, me too. What was that? That was a flashback. That, well, uh, Did that happen? I think that was uh, two different things. Okay. That was... The 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 girl that said, you know, I wish I could have seen that first day, that might have been her imagining it. Uh-huh. But I think in reality it was Ryan Murphy saying, you know, this is – we're going to flash back to before all of the unpleasantness when there was that possibility that they could have been friends. That there was that five minutes one time when they both really wanted to be friends. And, and that was a finish the show off in a circle sort of way. And now I want to go lay in my bed with a pillow over my head and cry for like oh. three hours. Oh, my God. Well, think about who is your biggest enemy in your life. And <laughs> wouldn't it be cool if you could be friends? No. <laughs> you might regret that. You might hallucinate a dinner party with them. No. We'll talk. No. We'll talk about this another time. Um, but uh, so did this really happen? That the AP wire service calls Betty Davis to tell her and she says, if you mm-hmm. can't say something good about someone then don't see anything at all Joan Crawford is dead good uh, yeah did... that did happen in real life what and why it, because I think that she regretted it the minute she said it I, I think it was hope like so. habit um, she uh, it was habit at that point when a reporter asked her about Joan to come up with something snarky you know mm-hmm. I really feel like I feel like Ryan Murphy got into Joan Crawford's head and that dinner party thing and that conversation that she had with Betty and I'm going to fucking cry when she had that conversation with Betty that she really did wish that I think they both really could have used each other. They mm-hmm. could, what if Well, we saw in some of the episodes what they were able to accomplish when they worked together. What if they had just been fucking friends? You know? God damn it. Yeah. Ugh. You know, like me and you, or me, no, me and Nate. It's actually, it's me and Nate who hate each other, you know, of the Baltic Effect people. It's me and Nate who are just, like, constantly at each other's throats. Oh, yeah, throats. The, the seething anger is just, the seething, oh, overwhelming. Uh, which is all just I because... I was sharing a house with the two of y'all for a few days. It was just horrible. It was pretty hard, right? You had to, like, kind of leave yeah. and go take a walk every once in a while. Like, God <laughs> damn, those guys, so mad. Um, right. So, real quick, we got to talk about the fact that... Um, Betty Davis thought that her mother was her best fucking friend, and then mm-hmm. she found those letters. And the only person she tells is her her like I don't how's the word um I don't want I don't want to say the R word, but the the daughter who doesn't communicate. Um, and yeah. she, the only person she tells is her that her mom someone who's not going to say anything. Yeah, their mom wrote letters to her sister or whatever, saying how much she didn't love Betty, and that's so fucking horrible. It's like, my mom is my best friend. She's not my best friend. You're my best friend. Jeff's my best friend. He's here now. But my mom, I love my mom. And I talk to her constantly. And I love her so, so much. If I found a bunch of letters where my mom talked shit about me, I would be devastated. 
Yeah. It would be... That, I wrote, oh, no. (laughs) And anyway, so at the very end, uh, Betty doesn't want to participate in the documentary. What does she say? Is that what you wanted to say? No. uh, It's in that scene later on, though. Um, I was going to bring up how they gathered around for the in memoriam and she didn't even get top billing in the in memoriam you know i didn't two seconds um she gets two seconds and that's it and then they say that's all all of us are gonna get hang on one sec you can just pick one honey (laughs) oh that one i think is it a noir yeah get that one that looks perfect (laughs) (laughs) i just got a case of wine today so yay ah nice yeah Good thing I had a case of wine when the snows came when you were here. <laughs> oh, yeah. Anyway, so okay, so that so, uh, and I, that I, killed me though watching them do that and thinking you know I thought if you had asked me I would have guessed that Joan Crawford would have been you know there's always that last person that it lingers on at the end. Yeah, I would have thought she would have been that that year. I don't know who it was. It's true. And then uh, Jack Warder died that same year too, but I think after after she did so. I don't know whether he made it to that thing, but I loved that they were all standing there together. That scene was cool. And I didn't realize that the interviews all the way through the show were taking place in the background of the Oscars. And Yeah, and that, you know what? That was actually pretty smart by that guy trying to do a documentary because, uh-huh. hey, when are you going to have all these people in the same place? That's a good time. Uh-huh. It was. It was cool. And I tried to find that documentary today, and I found something that came out in 78. Why, Why I, was Mama Sita there? I don't know. Oh, that's an interesting. Hmm. I don't know why she. Why was she at the Oscars? That doesn't make sense. Unless yeah, the guy invited I understand her there. Why the documentarians would want to ask to to ask her questions, but I don't oh. know why she would have been at the Oscars. Oh, that's a good point. We need to hunt down this thing. Maybe when we discuss on Friday, if one of us has a chance <laughs> to try and figure this out before Friday, we'll talk about it a little bit more. But um yeah, I think I'm I think I'm done. Okay. That was uh, like we said earlier, thank you for making me watch it. That was a great show. I am really And that re- was one of the sadder endings of a season I've ever seen. I I god damn, it was a fucking disaster. Especially cuz it's real people. It is real people. And like I said, yeah, this changed my entire attitude about Joan Crawford and I really super believe and I think that it's important to understand that she did not know who she was when she wasn't performing, you know? Mm-hmm. And if you see Mommy Dearest, you see it too, with like her child's birthday party, and they're wearing matching dresses, and the cameras are there, and they have to, like, smile and do their thing and stuff. And then at the end, she takes all of her presents away to donate to charity. And, oh, she's, ah, oh, she was, you want to love her, and, and you just hate her at the same time. She's such a dichotomy. Mm-hmm. And Betty was not a nice person either, you know? No. She had her there shit There were a going. lot of times in the course of the series that I think Betty could have uh, worked things out easier than Joan could have. Like, Betty could have said, you know what, Joan, you're right, once or twice. Well, and and I it th- might have saved things I really better. think that Joan wanted her approval really, really, really oh, yeah. badly. And I think Betty knew that, and, they, and they Betty said in this fucked episode with her. That Betty wanted to be Joan when she was young. I mean, they both probably envied each other a lot. Yep, yeah. I love... Shane, I really, really like that you that you liked the show and you stuck it out with me and that you you Aww. got something from it. I really am happy because I'm never a, gonna let a, a studio head drive us apart, Sadie. I know, right? Like Trent, and he's all like trying to pit us <laughs> against each other and telling you that you're prettier than me, and <laughs> you are prettier than. I told me. Trent not to tell you that. But... Well, he did though. He did. So I'm already <laughs> like trying to find ways to get back at you by like not, <laughs> by like not sending things to you in the mail because I love you. <laughs> so, yeah. So, um so that was feud part mm-hmm. of Sadie and Shane's super happy fun time spring fling. You guys, thank you so much for joining us on this season of feud. We'll see what happens next season of feud and we'll probably be there. And the <laughs> end. Yeah. Yeah. Showtime, cosign, get in, it's so real Next episode, here's an Interscope deal A&R's gassed me and got my hopes up Like come out to L.A. so we can leave your throat cut But so what, Pollock don't trust the soul Talking sideways like do what you're told Punks like Todd One say you deserve to win But hey, what do you know, you got jerked again Rigs in my ear like you murdered Jen Out doing Paul Rosenberg's dirt for him So as the world turns, I reverse the spin Going off the deep end before I learn to swim But 
God Pollock's not like those other nine bitches. Know the showtime ain't airing out my business. Producers eyed my daughter like I was slipping and tried to record her without my permission. I was flipping. They replied to the beef like we could do what we want. Pollock's signed a release. But I ain't doing shit except getting half tipsy. So fuck you. If you don't like it, then blacklist me, cause. God Pollock, come on. Come on. Nah. Play, come on, come on. Nah. Triple O, come on, come on. Nah. Brooklyn at, come on, come on. Nah. My wife, he's like my music, she real independent. Can't catch a break and she feeling neglected. She like, I'm in love, when will the drama stop? Cause I always get drunk, screaming like I'm a pops. She always crying, can't deal with the stress. Like I can't let you go, you're as real as it gets. You treat me like shit and you're too possessive. I love you for you, that's the truth, accept it. Love me for me, me and you connected. But you always gotta wild out and do some next shit. Yeah, you're right, I make my problems yours, but I'm crazy. What the fuck would I solve them for? I make you wanna run away and lock your door saying I love you. You, but right now I'm not so sure So now every time Pollock's starting a fight She says I need you to be a major part of my life But God, Pollock, come on Nah Foul play, come on Nah Triple O, come on Nah Brooklyn at, come on Yo, nah. One day I was praying for divine intervention Meeting Satan at a four-way intersection Down on my luck, so I just patrolled the block Debating whether I should sell my soul or not The devil approached, told me how I've been lied to He said, you're a Scorpio, your power's behind you Your daughter's for now, and I know you're broke So have some Patron in this dro to smoke He offered the world, trying to find my weakness Telling me my deepest, darkest secrets He said, sell your soul, I was high with a buzz He handed me a contract to sign it in blood I was trying to run and find some revelation But everywhere I turned, I saw the devil waiting So if you see the devil waiting, go in your way Approach him and tell him Pollock told you to say God, Pollock, come on Nah Foul play, come on Nah Triple O, come on Nah Brooklyn at, come on What'd you say, Slam? What the fuck? I ain't killed nobody in a long time.